All right. Thanks for joining us for the Church of the Corn. Uh, Zach, Drake, and Fitz here. We are joined by our fabulous sports lawyer guest, Dan Lust. Dan, how are you, man? I'm good. Can I can I tell you that Church of the Corn is the great name for a show? Has anyone told you that? You know, we've been told that once or twice, but we always love hearing it. You know, we like our egos getting pumped a little bit here. Well, whoever came up with that name deserves a giant raise. So I don't know who it is, but someone deserves a giant raise. Perfect. I will make sure to tell my boss that. So uh, I'll, I'll make sure. How much? You know, like ten grand, a million bucks, anything like that? What? Hold on, guys. Listen, you're talking to a lawyer here. We aim for the moon. We ask for a billion, and then we negotiate backwards. God damn, I like this it. is why I, I like love it. you. <laughs> well, we are happy to have you on here with us. Um, you know, we've been chatting back and forth for quite some time now, so glad to have you. Let's start with a hard-hitting case right off the bat. Watson. Deshaun Watson. How is everything sitting with this case right now? Did the Browns completely botch this? So let, let's get into it, right? The Browns are run by some uh, very fancy Ivy League-educated individuals, Um uh, I'll put it very bluntly. The, the Browns look like the dumbest organization in the NFL right now. Um, listen, it's a team that uh, I think people thought had Super Bowl aspirations heading into last year. And, you know, say what you want about Baker Mayfield, but bringing in a guy like Deshaun Watson and giving him $230 million guarantee, right, with 24 civil cases hanging over his head with a potential year suspension, and there's talk about an indefinite suspension, hanging over, you know, the team's head, um, you know, obviously they just traded Baker Mayfield, so we can obviously get into the legal part. But you know, to, I'm, I'm not sure what organization would have signed up for this type of headache, let alone a $230 million guaranteed headache. So, from the, the sports side, even you know, independent of what we'll get into with the law, uh, it's just a, a crazy move from an optics perspective, and even from a competitive standpoint, just a, a bizarre move from the Browns. Well, that that contract. This is Fitz here, Dan. Thanks for uh, joining us this morning. The contract that he's saying that what was it two seventy nine? I I don't have the exact number, but that guaranteed money and everything that's going on and with the with the obvious suspension that seems to be looming from the NFL. You just you kind of said it. They botched this, but and they're the dumb. I mean, why why what what angle were they trying to take? Why would they sign? Why would they give them? All that guaranteed money. There's got to be. There's got to be a reason behind it. I don't know what it is. Do you know what it is? Um, you know, I, I've lived and breathed this Deshaun Watson case for the better part of a year and a half. Case has been going on for a long time, so I can put put you into the mind of the Browns executives when that deal was struck. So there were two, uh, and I'm sure you list, some of your listeners are probably hearing this and they're like, "Didn't Deshaun get acquitted by a grand jury?" And you know, it's true. He got acquitted by two separate grand juries that didn't move forward with criminal charges. So the day that that happened, um, you know, there was a little bit of a lag time between the first and the second, but the day the first grand jury came back and didn't proceed forward with criminal charges, all of a sudden, right, there had been talk of Deshaun Watson potentially getting released by the Houston Texans if he was charged criminally. So he avoids criminal charges, at least for now. And all of a sudden, the bidding war resulted. I think, uh, you know, according to reports, it was the Falcons, the Panthers, uh, and the Browns. All these teams were in it. And... The Browns at one point, I think Schefter had it, whatever you know, whatever NFL insiders wanted to report it, they said the Browns were out, that Watson wanted to go to a warm-weather city. He's from, you know, I think he's from South Carolina, so he's from, from that part of the country. And the Browns, uh, you know, by all optics, decided to pay a king's ransom. They decided to overpay 
from what the other teams are willing to do it. So you have to kind of go into the eye of the storm. Nobody pays, just like we were joking at the top of this, right? Let's start at a billion and work our way downward. The Browns had to come forward with the godfather offer when they're bidding against three different teams, it seemed like, for compensation. So that's what happened. But, you know, what, what we're dealing with right now as of the present day, right? Let's say Watson avoids the suspension, as however unlikely that might be. He still has these civil cases that are scheduled for trial after next year's Super Bowl. So he could avoid a suspension. The guy is still going to be playing and starting games potentially as an NFL quarterback with four sexual assault cases hanging over his head. So I don't know what optics that's going to look like. Imagine guys like Michael Vick was playing with those you know, dogfighting allegations hanging over his head. It's just a horrendous look. So win, lose, or draw in this suspension hearing, those civil cases are going to last beyond this. So that, that's really the part I have a problem with. Yeah. Dan Drake here. Uh, I'm going to apologize up front for this question because it's kind of multi-part. Uh, one, have you seen in the world of sports a worse testimony than – uh, Roger Goodell in front of Congress the, from a sports perspective. Two, why why are our sports organizations testifying before Congress like baseball with the steroid era? And three, where do you think this Dan Snyder thing goes? How far did they go down this rabbit hole? So if we were in court, I'm, I'm going to bust your chops a little bit. I would say I would object and it's a compound question. <laughs> but uh, you know, sports radio, the rules of court don't apply. Um First, first of all, I don't think Goodell was that bad. I, I think, you know, uh, just switching gears in sports is similar similar point, but like Rob Manfred was quoted recently as saying he's basically paid to be the baseball commissioners to take the punches for the owners. So he kind of said the quiet part out loud. He said it with an interview with ESPN. And then you take that approach. Everyone knows that's the commissioner's role, and that's kind of what Goodell did. He's just he's a human shield for Dan Snyder. So. If, you know, obviously he was answering questions like no human being, like the four of us would ever answer. We would speak honestly and candidly. But Roger Goodell acted like a, you know, a, a robot without emotions and just spoke very straightforward. And, you know, if his job is to deflect from the owners, I, I, and I'll push back a little bit, I think he did a decent job, but that's, that's his job, right? Um, coming off as being sincere and truthful, you know, uh, truthful, that's a different story, but deflecting, I think he did fine. Um, you know, as for the other part of this question, the, you know, this issue about Dan Snyder, you know, it, it's a troubling one, um, and it kind of dovetails a little bit into this Watson conversation. Like, these congressional hearings right now, why Goodell has to defend Dan Snyder is because Dan Snyder is accused of sexual assault and misconduct. In addition to having, I know you guys are, you know, big college sports fans in Nebraska, Snyder has an allegation that's, I don't want to say it's similar to Joe Paterno, but kind of an allegation of, like, lack of institutional control, that he wasn't really overseeing the, the team properly. And then separately as an allegation directly against him. So, you know, we're talking about a potential year suspension for Deshaun Watson. The NFL is not suspending Dan Snyder. Roger Goodell is going in front of Congress to defend Dan Snyder from any you know, threats that Dan Snyder might get his team sold out from under him. So, you know, the NFL is bending over backwards to defend Dan Snyder. And meanwhile, the NFL is putting all of their resources into punishing Deshaun Watson for a year. Um, both Snyder and Watson had civil cases against them that they both paid millions. I, I think the, you know, we'll say it's, it's likely millions of dollars to settle. Dan Snyder's been reported as a $1.6 million uh, settlement for you know, uh, confidentiality and whatnot. But you have an owner and a player, both sexual assault allegations. Obviously, Watson has more, but it can be handled more differently. So, yeah, I think the optics are troubling, right? Uh, in a league where owners and players should be equal, uh, it's certainly uh, not what we have. And the NFL is... Uh, Maybe the biggest culprit in this right now. 
Dan, uh, Zach here. Got another question for you. This is actually one of the listeners, the official Husker fan in Dallas, has this question about the Browns. He says, why are we acting surprised the Browns did what they did? It's pretty on brand for the Cleveland franchise. I mean, they have made questionable, you know, decisions a great constantly. Point. So are we even surprised that they did this? I know the Browns kind of came out of nowhere in the situation, but we can't be that shocked that they're, they've dug themselves this hole, right? It's a good question. Um, I, you know, I don't know if they've ever, I mean, truth, truthfully, right? Like there is no situation like this that is, you know, has any precedent in, in sports, which is no one has been accused with this many allegations, right? Certainly you had Ben, ben Roethlisberger who received a suspension for a second offense or let's say alleged second offense, whatever, whatever lawyer term I need to say to not get in trouble here. But um, Watson, Watson has 24 and the report that came out from the New York Times, this is you know, to the larger point. The, the New York Times reported that Watson used 66 different masseuses in a 17-month period. The New York Times reported that the Texans likely knew of Watson's conduct. So then you have to ask yourself this question, why, why it's a good point. Right? Like the, the Browns are doing all this, why they paid so much money and why they had to answer the hard questions. They said, we did our due diligence. We looked into this and we were comfortable with the investment. I'm paraphrasing, but they said we did our due diligence. If the Browns knew everything that we know today, I, I don't I don't know how any of these people have jobs, right? If they knew everything that we know, and they still gave him two hundred and thirty million dollars, they knew about sixty six masseuses, they knew about a potential indefinite suspension from the NFL. That's that's an insane risk to take from a team that doesn't need to be, you know, swinging for the fences. It's a team that has a has a solid roster as of today. So, um, yeah, I I I I don't know what to tell you, right? What's more likely that the Browns took on this mega insane unprecedented risk you know or that the browns just didn't know all of the full facts so uh yeah i don't think the browns have done this before but if this is uh, an indication of what this browns era we're going to be like uh, i i don't see much success in the future well and you add to it the we, we keep coming back to this word botching is the fact that what they did with how they handled the baker mayfield uh you know trade that finally happened this week to the carolina panthers but you know they couldn't get anything done during the during the uh, uh, draft window, they wanted they were asking too much, and then they weren't happy with what they were being offered in return, and so they hold, they hold, they hold, and probably now pennies on the dollar in a way. But if when you put all of that in there, it for me, what what is the what would be the rationale for creating this scenario with their franchise with Watson when they had a serviceable quarterback in Mayfield? Is it are they creating a situation for themselves, like next year in free agency, anything like that? Who's going to want to go for, play for the Cleveland Browns? Now, we know money talks, but is this creating a just this downhill crap storm for themselves? Well, I, I'm sure you're going to have some listeners. I, you know, I did Cleveland Sports Radio this week, and I had someone, someone yelling at me on Twitter, like, well, we'll address the elephant in the room. Like, Watson is not being charged with a crime, and he's going to say innocent until proven guilty in a criminal court. And the burden is on these accusers to prove, um, you know, their version of events. And if you want to get into the weeds, you know, these, all these accusers have the same attorney, right? And the, this attorney has kind of a, an interesting past in, in Houston. Um, so there is certainly a world where Watson gets a year suspension, and that's it, right? It's over. Um, so if you want to get into the technicalities of NFL contracts, if he gets a year suspension, there's a world where his contract is just told, and it's held in suspension for a year, and it just starts next year. So. 
maybe that was the infinite wisdom of the Browns. You know, so we're not going to waste a year with him under contract. We're just going to start it a year later, but we still trade in so much in the optics level. So, yeah, I don't. I, uh, there's another there's another kind of breadcrumb that we got. The Browns making the trade of Baker Mayfield while we're waiting to hear about the Watson suspension. That does tell you something, right? Because you're trading the most expensive insurance policy in all of football while you're about to hear how long your you know your new quarterback is going to be out for. So there's certainly a reading of this that the Browns feel more optimistic than they did um, you know earlier on because they held on to Mayfield for past the draft. I think a lot of people, myself included, expect him to be traded on draft night which we didn't get. So the fact that they're trading him now might, might be a breadcrumb that they feel a little more optimistic on a, on a lower suspension than expected. Hey, Dan, Drake here again. What do you think is going to happen with these uh, USA Freedom USA Today Freedom of Information Act requests and lawsuits against schools like Nebraska where they're trying to get these uh, unnamed metrics for Scott Frost? How, how do you think that's going to play out in court? Um, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I read all the, uh, the Nebraska replies I get in there. I mean, people are asking if it's a witch hunt and whatnot. I mean, I don't, I don't know why people have this like bloodlust, nah, no pun intended. I probably can't say bloodlust guys. It's just, uh, it's a name like lust. I can't use it, but people, people have this fascination with going after Scott Frost in Nebraska. I mean, I don't know. I, I, it, how will the court case work out? Usually Freedom of Information Act. They have to be responded to just like we saw in the Big Ten saga. And, you know, we'll see if there's anything being hit in there. But I don't know what agenda USA Today has to try to get those metrics. I'm not sure of any, I don't know, uh, the, the newsworthiness to it beyond just people being fascinated with Scott Frost job security. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I, usually Freedom of Information has to get a certain amount of days to respond. But if you're a, you know, public entity, you have to respond to those, uh, be it a, you know, municipality or, um, you know, a police agency, uh, you know, but it's, it's the boring part of the law, but there are very few exceptions to, to not comply with those. Hey, Dan, I got a question for you about conference realignment. We'll just do a little bit of a switch here from uh, pro to college. Where do you see conference realignment going, and do you see any immediate moves, I guess, happening within, let's say, the next six months to a year? I would call that immediate. And do you see any issues arising from those moves? So when there's smoke, there's fire, right? And Twitter this past week was full of jokes, right? Like uh, all these tools were going to move from the ACC to the SEC, and then people were saying Bishop Sycamore was going to get in the conversation and <laughs> the Big Ten, I guess. Um, Bishop Sycamore is obviously that, that uh, fictitious school. That, uh, that you know, phenomenal uh, satellite school? Yeah, the school that, uh, you know, is just playing 40-year-old men and somehow loses to 20-year-old uh, so, so Dan, not to interrupt, um, but I did get a recruitment letter from them this last week. Should I just, oh, what do I need to do with that? I think you need to go, and I think you need to invest your entire life savings in a trip to go there and just expect to hope for the best. Okay. Uh, all right. I will let you know how that goes. I'm, I'm I heard on, they need I'm, a kicker. I'm on board, and I, my stretching regimen starts now. But get back to, back to alignment talk, Dan. Yeah, so uh, listen, uh, the, the joke being, right, when there's smoke, there's fire. Um, there were reports, which these ones I do believe are credible. Oregon and Washington tried to jump ship and also join USC, UCLA, and the Big Ten. Big Ten now on record saying they're not accepting any new schools at this point in time. But let's not kid ourselves. A year ago, and I, you know, I got some heat from uh, you know some uh, college reporters, and I said, "Listen, the SEC takes Texas and Oklahoma. Someone has to respond, uh, and whoever responds, right, it's probably going to be the Big Ten if they're trying to compete with the SEC." So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty critical of Kevin Warren in the Big Ten. What did they do? They 
formed a, an alliance with the ACC and the Pac-12. I mean, it lasted a year, and then the Big 12 kind of, you know, the Big Ten kind of stabbed uh, the Pac-12 in the back and took two of their schools. I, you could have telegraphed this a mile away because if you want to compete with the Joneses, right, you have to actually compete with the Joneses. You can't have an alliance with, like, I don't know, what's, what's lower than the Joneses now? The Smiths, like they're one tier below. Um, but the Big Ten had to retool, and they took the, the equivalent, I think a pretty close equivalent, to Texas and Oklahoma, USC, UCLA. So you'd be kidding yourself if you didn't think there was another move here. Be it a, you know, I think uh, some reports of a potential merger between the ACC and Pac-12. Um, but the other version of this is where the SEC just retools, and they're staring at uh, a weekend ACC you know, with, the, with some big programs right in their backyard, right in the you know, the South. So um, I, I think it's just a matter of when. Uh, you know, conference realignment dominoes, Nebraska saw it you know, way back when with the Big 12 move. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of what big dominoes are left. And I think a lot of schools, a lot of conferences, are looking at Notre Dame. Uh, that seems to be the next big domino. Let's see if they want to end their, you know, their infatuation with being an independent. But sometimes they say money talks. So, uh, you know, if Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC, I didn't think would ever happen. USC to UCLA, I didn't think would ever, you know, to the Big Ten, I didn't think would happen. Uh, and Notre Dame becoming an independent, or not no longer being an independent, has certainly got to be on the table with some of these unprecedented moves. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, I think, the moves that we'll be seeing. Um, that was Dan Lust, at Sports Law Lust on Twitter. Be sure to give him a follow. He's a phenomenal guy to chat with, phenomenal lawyer, and he'll give you some great um, great podcasts and different things like that to listen to. So, Dan, thanks so much for being our guest on here today and joining with us. We appreciate it. We'll definitely have to have you back, man. Go Big Red. Go Big Red. Thank you so much, Dan. Thanks, Dan. That was Dan Lust, um, sports law attorney. Um, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to be joined by recruiting analyst on three's own Brian Munson when we return. Uh, be sure to tune back in a couple minutes. Thanks.